All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom, in studio with me again for maybe first time in a, less than a month, I think, uh, the turbo political scientist, Keith Knutson. Uh, we're going to talk a couple of different topics, and if you guys got, you know, political questions for him, you can call in on the Better Hearing Center talk and text line, 608-785-7914. How are you doing, Keith? I'm doing good today. I'm going to i got to pop up the talk and text line while I'm thinking of it. Um, okay, so a couple of the topics that we were thinking about hitting on. Uh, obviously, I think this is an ongoing thing until it's solved. It's gerrymandering in uh, the United States, essentially. But, like, obviously, this is a, a big problem in Wisconsin, or not a problem, depending on how you look at it. But something that you said is in the governor's budget and something that Republicans are going One of the many, many things that Republicans want to axe out of the budget before it goes to, you know, be voted on, I guess. Um, and we've had a couple of decisions in other states. Uh, can you just talk about, you know, how that would affect uh, Wisconsin's case in gerrymandering? Is, is there a relation there with Michigan? Michigan and Ohio, and Ohio. Uh, uh, federal appellate courts, three-judge panels have uh, ruled that um, in both states, uh, Republican-drawn district lines are unconstitutional. Um, so having gerrymandered themselves, that is, the Republican Party, into uh, perpetual uh, majority status, uh, even not being able to win a majority of votes in the state. Um, and so, they, uh, uh, again, gerrymandering, they're either going to um, pack one party in, in, in both those states then, Democratic votes into a district so that, um, a candidate is going to win a large majority in that district. It's right. a foregone conclusion. Or they're going to crack um, uh, party voters into uh, a Republican districts so that Republicans might win by a, a slimmer margin, but a, a, a surety that uh, they know what the outcome is going to be. Now, when Wisconsin was going to, this was going to go, this was going to court again for the third time? I mean, different little, different variations of gerrymandering, right? But this was headed to the courts again, and then um, I, I don't know who decided that we're going to wait for, for Maryland and North Carolina decisions. Before the, the courts would, would, would make that decision. Uh, and so Maryland and North Carolina, both uh, Maryland and, and those two states, interestingly enough, uh, Maryland the Democrats, North Carolina the Republicans, um, uh, the Supreme Court is uh, hearing cases out of those states as well. So one of the concerns um, Chief Justice Roberts expressed in a, a, a previous case, um, if the court were to make a determination on um, unconstitutional gerrymandering, then they would be getting um, more cases than they um, feel they can, they can, can actually handle. Um, uh, I suppose the, the best way to, to deal with this is the, uh, the first time we got together talking about the referendum here in Wisconsin, only an advisory referendum, but one would think that perhaps our elected representatives would take the message from the people with 70 to 80 percent majorities in these uh, uh, county referenda, now at least 15, 16 of them in Wisconsin and some of the more densely populated uh, counties, uh, take the message from the people and um, be willing to accept the voice of the people out of our uh, statewide elections for our state legislature. We, we seem to have this a lot. Like there, there was a legalized marijuana referendum, right? And there was that referendum. We talk about gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. um, there was the, the premier area resort tax referendum. And I, there was another one that was on there. And they were all 
like, hey, do something about this, elected officials. And they're like very, like 60, 70, 80% of the people want those changes and nothing happens. Like how long before, are, are they just ignoring us or what's going on there? Well, local governments, county boards, um, are complaining across the state that, uh, again, it's the Republican-controlled legislature out of this last decade uh, passing um, state-level laws which prevent local control of uh, uh, frac sand mining, uh, high-pressure uh, wells for um, a, a variety of issues. Um, uh, and so uh, taking this to a, a state government level, uh, preventing localities from uh, attempting to uh, regulate activity within their own areas. Yeah, I believe in Minnesota they're fighting for local governments changing the m- minimum wage amongst, you know, a locale, and the state is fighting that, too, saying you can't, you can't change the minimum wage in your area. Right. So it's kind of the same deal. Nobody, nobody seems to listen. Um, the other thing we wanted to talk about, and, uh, you know, if you guys have questions for Keith, uh, give us a call on the Better Hearing Talk and text line, 608-785-7914. Um, the, the, the bar report, no, the bar report, I keep doing that. The Robert Mueller report. I oh, mean, every time I do that. Uh, well, of course, uh, Attorney General William Barr did write his own uh, summary, which seems to have been somewhat disingenuous in, uh, well, that's being uh, too generous, I think. Um, uh, Barr uh, misrepresented uh, uh, Mueller's conclusions in, in Barr's own four-page summary shortly after uh, receiving the report. So I can see why he you called were... it not a summary after, after he said it was a summary. Then no. later he's like, ah, it's not a summary. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's another thing we're going to talk about if you guys have questions uh, with the Mueller report. But we're going to we're going to take a quick break for news, and, and then we'll hit on those topics as well on Lacrosse Talk PM. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom in the studio with me. The Turbo is Keith Knudsen. We're talking politics. It's definitely my strong point. Okay, it's Keith's strong point, not really mine. Uh, we get a couple of callers, but if you want to get in here, you can talk to, to us by calling 608-785-7914. You can also... Text that number, but uh, let me let me turn the music off here so that the callers can hear. Uh, we're going to go to Tom first. Tom. Yes. Okay. So I have a few comments, and uh, then I'd welcome your input. Uh, I used to be on the Trumpler County Board, and so I have con- uh, quite a bit of uh, information and background with uh, how counties approach these referendums type things. Majority of the counties in Wisconsin actually belong to what's known as the Wisconsin Counties Association, which is an organization that the counties that belong to it pay dues into it. Actually, it's a lot of dues. Uh, for example, in La Crosse County, there are many towns that pay dues also into the Towns Association. Both of these associations, in my experience, are uh, not really working in the best interest of the people of Wisconsin. So what happens is they come in, give their influence to the counties and some of the towns. Those towns then say, yeah, I think we are more liberal towns. We will put a thing on the referendum or on the uh, election so that we can get uh, find out where the people stand on certain things like voting for pot. <laughs> so there's a bunch of the state that doesn't go along with that. They don't do a referendum because basically they don't want it. But the counties, and I can't remember how many there were that did put something on on the ballot to have the people determine here actually a small part of the county. So while they, 
the legislature controlled by Republicans right now don't pick that up and look at that real carefully because they just simply don't want it because they actually do have control more of the state than the areas like La Crosse and Wausau and the other areas that did support the pot referendum. So um, <clears throat> those are my only points, but that's why you kind of indicated that it would appear that the, the legislature wasn't picking up the will of the people. Uh, it's not the will of the people. It's the will of those counties that had it on a referendum. And so you can ask me a question if you like. Otherwise, that's my only comment. Well, uh, thanks, Tom. That was uh, uh, very educational. Appreciate it. Um, uh, your, uh, your comment is uh, on the uh, uh, legalization of marijuana referendum. Is, is that where you're, you're coming at? That's part of it. My, my real point, though, was how much influence the counties association and the towns association have that I think that if the people were wise, they would quit uh, paying dues into those associations. Those associations do not work in the best interest of the people. It's one more place to spend money that's hard-earned tax money, and it's a lot. Uh, the people of the state of Wisconsin pay a fortune into fees to cover uh, dues and uh, other types of things that they don't need. They just simply don't need it. Anything they need is available through the state. Uh, they don't need an additional layer of bureaucracy. So uh, has it been your experience that uh, uh, both those associations um, have professionals um, at the state level, and then they also have lobbyists to talk with the state legislators, and this is one avenue for uh, county governments, and then you, 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 talk, you mentioned townships as well, uh, towns and townships. Um, uh, they, too, then would have a professional organization and lobbyists uh, to uh, uh, to present if there can be a unified or even a, a majority perspective from the the varieties of what do we have 72 counties in Wisconsin, um, the, the counties then could use that state level organization as a communication tool for the state legislature. Each county then wouldn't have to do that. That's one of the benefits of the of the organization. Well, that's why we have elected officials rather than uh, people that come in, uh, receive dues from the counties, and we just we simply do not need it. And now they have uh, worked very hard against the people, in my opinion, and I've observed that firsthand. Uh, there's lots of misjustice uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, both of these are not necessary. If I had time, I would give you examples. They are just working hard to ensure their, that they continue to get their dues. We do not need them. If people that are intelligent people to our county boards, uh, they have resources to get the information they need, and, they, of course, they can go to their, their senator or their representative. And there's, there are all kinds of people in Madison available to answer questions or to lobby from a county. Counties have a huge uh, ability to influence their legislature if they want to do it directly. So, again, my biggest problem here is, is that they are one more level of bureaucracy that – and, I'm, I'm, and, and uh, you guys could do some research as to how much money La Crosse County, for example, puts into the, the uh, county association. And then there are many towns in La Crosse, too, see how much they put in. I think they're all in uh, the, the uh, towns association, and that's a whole another set four times a year, in some cases more often than that. And, again, uh, it would, uh, I'm so concerned here because I don't believe they have the best interests of the people in their uh, in their uh, agenda. 
All right, thanks for the call, Tom. Um, still, there are referendums. I mean, Tom, I think Tom's argument is we're putting these referendums on to get liberals to vote. I think that's what he, he really just, that's what, that's well, what he's come down to before. Yeah, I, I think that's a bit, uh, I think Tom gave us some, some really valuable information um, uh, about how uh, counties are going to talk to one another and are they going to try to band together to influence state government? Uh, uh, Tom didn't seem to be particularly interested in, in that side of the, the equation, but I think that uh, there is some of that going on. Uh, it's a topic uh, I would need to investigate, and I think I will now. Uh, thanks for the spur, Tom. And uh, uh, if I'm invited back, I'd like to have some more information on that, maybe a discussion. Um, to, it's, a, it's a good topic. Um, Another another thing that I, I think a lot of people in Wisconsin are are for, and maybe the legislature isn't listening. Medicaid expansion, right? That's kind of, that seems to be in the news, and 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 people seem to be is the will of the people not to expand Medicaid. I mean, that's, well, uh, it was something that uh, Governor Evers campaigned on. Uh, he won the election. Um, uh, back to gerrymandering, the Republicans retained control of the state legislature, uh, in my opinion, because they uh, ran in gerrymandered districts. Um, uh, I think uh, the voter turnout and the, the statewide result, uh, winning all the statewide uh, offices and uh, winning more votes than the Republicans uh, in the uh, state assembly uh, races, uh, if there uh, had not been a, a gerrymandered uh, state legislative uh, districts, uh, I think Governor Evers uh, very much could have had a Democratic uh, state uh, assembly to work with and then not have to be fighting um, uh, both houses uh, uh, in the state legislature. But the Republicans seem uh, adamantly opposed to much of uh, Governor Evers' program. So I, I would say, yes, I think Wisconsinites are uh, prepared to uh, go down the road of medic uh, uh, get, getting into the Obamacare, the ACA, uh, Medicaid program, and a report just came out from a nonpartisan legislative agency that uh, showed that if we did do that, then people's premiums, getting their health insurance through the um, uh, ACA exchanges, their 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 premiums would actually go down. Yeah, seven to eleven percent. Yeah. So I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> like, make it happen. Like, what's going on? Well, let's let, let, let's deal with the issue. The Republican argument is that uh, they don't want to get into this. Uh, uh, nationwide program. They're fearful that uh, uh, Wisconsin begins to expand health care coverage, and they think that the, the program will eventually fail, and then Wisconsin would be held holding the bag. Um, I think, uh, contrary to their argument, what we've seen is um, the, uh, the Affordable Care Act and the exchanges have progressively become more successful as the society has uh, become comfortable, more comfortable with this uh, medical uh, insurance program. Uh, more uh, people have been taking uh, advantage of it. And uh, the public opinion polls across the nation show us that the Affordable Care Act is now uh, much more popular, uh, a majority of Americans supporting uh, that health insurance reform program, whereas initially people were suspicious. And I think this is quite typical uh, in society what change? What what are these changes going to do to my access to the health delivery system? I think Americans are realizing that um, Obamacare has really been a positive development for 
many Americans and uh, within the, the health-providing uh, uh, institutions, there have been reforms that uh, also have been positive for health care outcomes. Yeah, as soon as, uh, you know, Trump took over, they've, they've tried to, quote-unquote, like destroy the Affordable Care Act or, or get rid of it or however you, want to, however you want to determine it. And, like, I feel like we could just tweak it. Like, can we just keep tweaking it until it works for, you know, who, you know, a majority of the people or works for everybody, essentially? Well, from my perspective, it would be nice if Republicans could actually become comfortable with a health care reform program that was initially a Republican idea implemented by uh, Governor Mitt Romney in Massachusetts. Uh, uh, the proposal, as I understand it, came out of a a Republican rather conservative think tank, um, Republicans, I think, could declare victory and actually do something positive for society as a whole, as opposed to um, uh, trying to decimate this, this reform propose, uh, program. Yeah, we got into this a little bit yesterday with Dave, and I think maybe Dave's going to be out tomorrow, and we're going to get in, into the weeds on the Affordable Care Act and health care a little bit more. But uh, we got Eric's been holding patiently. Uh, we're going to go to him. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I love uh, Soul Devil Pie's good buffer music. Um, everyone. The Colony Association is a liberal organization for liberal candidates, Democrat candidates. I personally do not like gerrymandering. I think that is unfair. But didn't they do, didn't the Democrats do the same thing when they were in control of the legislature and the governorship? No, and you, you have a point here, Eric. It, uh, uh, gerrymandering has been done by both political parties. Um, that is the no, that's a historical it, fact. And now, in this moment, Eric, if I may finish, Eric, at this moment now, uh, we need to recognize that both sides have engaged in this, and it's time to end it. And uh, both political parties, we have two major parties in our society, and it seems like that's the way it's uh, going to be for some time in the future. Both parties should be forced to stand in reaction to elections and let elections determine legislative representation, not engineered uh, districts that are designed to get a particular outcome. Well, but I guess it works both ways. The Republicans, they can do it. The Democrats, they can do it also. No. So what? Let's make us so bad about Republicans gerrymandering. Because they won and the Democrats lost. It works both ways, mister. And I tell you this, Bob Barr is an honest man. And the only reason they didn't try to get real is they tried to protect Hillary Clinton, period. They tried to protect Hillary Clinton. Well, Eric, it's amazing that you and I can agree that both sides are doing it, but we can't come to the same conclusion that we should just end the behavior um, so that neither party, when they win an election at the time of a decennial census and then they get to draw the district lines, that we're prepared to uh, have one party or another uh, draw these lines to their advantage. That is uh, undermining one person, one vote, Eric. Can I ask one question? Go ahead. What about... Uh, the citizenship question on the uh, census form should illegal aliens be allowed to register on that? And, and if, just so they know who is voting and not voting, that allocates the votes to the states, and it means a lot of money to a lot of states. Is it, what do you think about that, sir? Well, the, the census has been conducted so that uh, we would count everyone on our territory. Um, not dependent upon their citizenship status. Um, 
There was a citizenship question uh, many decades ago. We haven't had that in, uh, I think, at least four decades. Um, and, of course, uh, territories where there is a concentration of, uh, well, let's, let's use the common term, illegal immigrants, um, the, those people are, are still going to be um, uh, extracting resources from local governments. And so uh, when we have people in our own society uh, based upon our, our basic uh, values, uh, we're going to try to ensure that those people are, um, let's say, healthy, probably educated. Um, if they're able to work, they're going to be paying taxes. I don't think they're eligible for uh, social welfare benefits. And we know that this uh, argument that illegal immigrants are voting is uh, quite a canard. Um, uh, there are a handful of isolated incidents across the country um, it's, it's not worth getting worked up over, Eric, so we should really be discussing an issue that uh, actually is of the serious public concern. All right, we're going to take, uh, we're going to hit the news, and we'll get back, and there's a lot of text here, so I'm going to try to weed through uh, some of those texts uh, when we come back. Uh, up next, Scott Comet. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is the turbo political scientist Keith Knudsen. Talking about gerrymandering and a little bit about the Mueller report, uh, but we've got a couple of texts on on gerrymandering here. Uh, gerrymandering here. Uh, first of all, from Bill, uh, just before the break. So gerrymandering elected the Republican Congress, but didn't affect the governor's race either. Or didn't affect the governor's race either. Gerrymandering slants it or it doesn't. Which is it? I think we're keeping the discussion to the state of Wisconsin. So uh, Wisconsin's uh, assembly districts are severely gerrymandered in favor to the, uh, to the Republicans coming out of their uh, winning control of the state legislature in 2010, uh, the, con- the census conducted that year. And then in 2011, uh, the gerrymander uh, was uh, drawn uh, uh, behind locked doors uh, in secrecy and, uh, uh, of course, signed into law by Republican Governor um, uh, Scott Walker. Um, so uh, 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 the United States Congress, uh, it's estimated that Republicans have had about uh, two dozen uh, gerrymandered seats which provide uh, Republicans uh, that uh, extra two dozen seats uh, compared to what they win uh, in um, uh, votes for the United States Congress. But uh, I'm trying to keep it to the state of Wisconsin. Um, so uh, members of the state assembly uh, represent uh, drawn districts here in Wisconsin. Uh, and then those, uh, uh, there are three uh, assembly seats for every one Senate seat, 33 state Senate seats, 99 assembly seats. And uh, uh, those seats are then, um, uh, I'm arguing, are, are, are gerrymandered, and I don't think there's too much debate about it. Um, the gerrymandering doesn't affect the governor's race, because the governor's race is conducted throughout the entire state, so there's there's no district to gerrymander. Um, that's the that's the, the popular vote for the governorship, um, and again across the entire state. So governor's races are not going to be affected by uh, gerrymandering. Yeah, statewide election. Yeah. Um, getting back to uh, the year that Republicans drew the lines. Um, this has been in the news just recently. Robin Voss, the Republican Assembly Speaker of Wisconsin. Uh, a judge has ordered he be deposed to explain just exactly how the lines were drawn. And it's, it's pretty interesting 
to, to just the, uh, the overview of how the lines are drawn. Do you want to explain how back in what 2011 you said? Yeah. How, how they drew the lines and you know just the the secrecy they went they went. Sure. A professor out of the University of Oklahoma came up with this program. Um, he, I think he was hired here in Wisconsin. Um, he has since recanted uh, his participation in all of this, but the lines in Wisconsin were drawn behind uh, locked doors in secrecy, um, and uh, uh, Democratic members of the legislature were not allowed to see the maps until they were um, uh, brought to the floor of the legislature. They had already been determined. And even Republican aides going in to see the maps uh, uh, had to uh, uh, sign basically something like uh, what President Trump uses, a non-disclosure agreement, so they couldn't talk about it outside of the room where they were seeing the maps. Uh, and uh, basically it was done in secret behind uh, closed doors. Uh, and uh, now uh, uh, Leader Voss is being uh, summoned to publicly uh, talk about uh, how this process was engaged in. Of course, he doesn't want to do that because uh, uh, then he would uh, be confronted with uh, the basic facts of uh, how the process was engaged in. And uh, he doesn't want to be on record uh, uh, having to speak about uh, how it was engineered. Um, so another text here. So back before those lines were, were redrawn, Democrats held the legislature back yes. in 2010 or before that. Um, and I think Bill texts, and Bill and Phil sort of sort of both kind of text the same thing, is why didn't back in 2010 or 9 or whenever it was, didn't the Democrats that held control of the legislature just do, like why weren't they the, the people that changed this, to make it a bipartisan or a nonpartisan way to draw the maps? Why didn't Democrats do well, that? Well, the first time I was here uh, uh, talking about the session we had at the table with the League of Women Voters, um, uh, the, the league state representative had a quote from um, a Democratic politician in uh, back in 1981 uh, arguing against the league, um, uh, advocating uh, for ending gerrymandering. So, look, gerrymandering comes from uh, the first decade of the 19th century. It's a uh, practice that has been part and parcel of our politics for a long time. Uh, we now uh, know that uh, any party winning control at the right time can use computer technology to try to maintain its grip on political power in the legislative branch of government uh, by manipulating the district lines. Uh, who, as, as getting into it with Eric, both political parties have done it. The Republicans are doing it now. Uh, what kind of political society do you want to live in? Do you want elections to actually matter? Do you want people's voices to actually bring about what has been our political tradition when the public gets upset with the party in power? The party in power can be voted out of office. Um, uh, if that's not possible, then uh, uh, my argument is we're not actually a democracy. Uh, we're uh, moving in the direction of a a manipulated system where uh, people can stay in power and not be responsive to the public will. I think a, a big argument that people have nowadays, like Republicans would argue that Democrats are just mad because Republicans hold control and they're pretending that these lines are gerrymandered because, you know, they, they lost the election. But I think what's happening is in between 2010 and 2019 now is your students might use this word, we're woke. 
we're more awake to what's going on. We have social media. The we, we have a lot more information, and literally in the palm of our hands, we can read about this. We're, we're on the radio right now talking about it. It'll go to the Internet. It'll go to the websites. A lot more people are reading and understanding, like, hey, why, why do we have the system where the winners get to draw the maps for themselves? And we also have two uh, elections where the result uh, kept the Republicans in power, where probably they would have been voted out of power in, in, in the state assembly. Okay, so we have a couple of examples of this, too. Yes, okay. and then we also have more powerful capacity to manipulate these districts uh, with computer technology so that uh, uh, the gerrymandering is more severe than it has been in our history. It's possible to use that technology to check the gerrymandering and make uh, our elected representatives actually stand before the public in a non-engineered result. That is, the elected representatives not just talking to the people who agree with them, but have districts which are representative of a collective public interest without all these varied lines that put people together, which doesn't make much sense. Um, Relating this to the uh, Mueller report, so... The Congress right now is fighting to have that release, or the House is anyway, to have a full report released. Um, we would also, in Wisconsin, like to know the entire process of how the lines are being made. Like we just like we just want like the whole idea that hey, we went into this secret room where you couldn't bring your phone and it was behind a locked door and no Democrats could come in. That doesn't look fishy at all. Like we just want to know. Like that, you're doing this legit, and not like and, and like that information should be public since you are public our public official. Again, we, we can look at the state of Iowa, and and other states now are uh, moving in the direction of uh, coming up with uh, some form of a, a nonpartisan agency, which is going to uh, query the public before the lines are drawn, um, and and get sensible districts where people are going to vote. Um, in a district where they have a commonality which their elected representative, uh, of course, is going to advocate for. All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, maybe spend like four minutes on the, on the Mueller report. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom. I'm in studio here with Keith Knudsen, a political scientist at Viterbo. We're going to talk about the Mueller report. Go, Keith. Go. No, I don't know. Uh, William Barr was uh, subpoenaed by Congress, right? To uh, uh, can you I just explain, voted today? Can you just explain what happens with that? Well, first, what is the subpoena about? Uh, the Congress is acting, uh, asking for the fully unredacted uh, report, um, and uh, uh, Barr's argument is there is grand jury testimony that is. Uh, uh, in the footnotes, let's say, um, and uh, that should not be made available uh, to the Congress. Yeah, from what I understand, all Barr has to do is go to a judge and say, hey, can the grand jury testimony be released? And the judge will go, yes or no. Yeah, right. Or uh, Congress can do that. And um, they haven't done it yet. And, of course, uh, uh, Mueller was investigating uh, not necessarily for the Justice Department, but for the Congress and, therefore, for the nation as a whole. Um, and... Uh, uh, Barr's presentation shortly after uh, getting a hold of uh, Mueller's report uh, would, uh, well, now that we have the report, uh, the redacted version of it, uh, Barr gave us an interpretation that uh, today, what, uh, 700 
uh, former federal prosecutors are saying that, um, Rick, you or I, or uh, Eric, be careful out there now, uh, any of us could be uh, criminally charged with the evidence that was presented on obstruction of justice uh, that was investigated on the President of the United States. That's a pretty powerful statement that, uh, uh, as many people are saying, William Barr, the Attorney General for the United States of America, um, uh, engaged in an interpretation that really made him more a defense attorney for the President of the United States, and that's not the appropriate behavior of an official uh, in the government of the United States. I mean, the spin that Barr puts on the report itself was so, you know, one-sided that, Robert Mueller wrote him a couple of letters, right? Like, or at, at least a letter, sure. saying like, "Hey, dude, what are you doing? Like, this isn't what I've said at all." Right. And now the Congress wants Mueller to uh, testify before them. I'm quoting, um, by the way. Robert Mueller did write, "Dude, what are you doing?" I'm sure he did. Um, and uh, 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 this process uh, comes out of legislation, uh, and as uh, challenging and difficult and as uh, upsetting as it is for those who support the president and those who are opposed to the president, um, uh, as much light as possible made on the topic is what a democracy uh, and a Republican system of government has to be about. So shutting this down is not uh, a public service. People have to be prepared to deal with evidentiary material. Um, you want to throw your headphones on here? We're going to take a call. Quick caller, go ahead. My question is, I want to know how many of those people in the House of Representatives have gone in and read the Mueller report? How many of them have read what they can read? Oh, ma'am, I, I, I'm sorry. I couldn't possibly answer that question. Um, I'm assuming, and you know that what that can do to us, um, I'm assuming that uh, uh, all members of the uh, uh, Congress of the United States have read at least the executive summary, which is about 10, 12 pages. Um, and uh, the members of the uh, Judiciary Committee, uh, Gerald Nathler, the head, uh, the chair of the committee, uh, I'm, a, I'm figuring that they've uh, read quite a bit of uh, this report. I think, uh, ma'am, you and I could probably get a pretty good gist of this report by reading our news sources um, because uh, so much of it uh, is uh, essential to presenting uh, the new stories around the controversies which are swirling uh, here. Um, but uh, you might call your, uh, your member of Congress and ask, uh, if you're in the 3rd District, ask Ron Kind how much of it he's read. Uh, one more call. Caller, go ahead real quick. I think that um, you do need to go and do the research and find out how many of those Democrats that are after Barr have actually read what they could read. Well, ma'am, how many of the Republicans who are opposed to it do you think have read the report? So, I mean, this would, this would have to cut both ways. I mean, there's a committee that, that is, is, like, overseeing this, and they've all read the report, and if they want it, then well, why hope our public officials are doing their jobs and uh, they are reading this report? Um, uh, but just even asking them may not get you very far because they're probably going to tell you, of course, yes, and one doesn't know. You watch their behavior um, in the Congress and at the committee hearings, and then one gets a pretty good sense of how much of the report they've read. That's not for me to answer, ma'am. Um, that's for the members of Congress to answer. And from what I understand, uh, Mueller even put at, at the, I think he put little summaries inside the report that would have probably been nice for the public to read because they're summaries. And those were redacted. 
No, uh, those summaries were rejected by Bill Barr. He argued that he didn't want to present um, uh, separated summaries of a 450-page report. So he didn't, uh, and, and Mueller would seem to have intended those uh, uh, those summaries that he sent to Barr, um, presented to the public, um, uh, and Barr chose not to do that and instead uh, provided his own generalized summaries.